You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. All right, Primal Radio, we're back. What's up, Tom? You made it back alive. Did you save the world in the army? It was like 16 days. It feels like I've been away for like six months. It seems like only yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like long days. Right. You never had any time to yourself. It wasn't that everything was like super demanding, but like you'd learn right. something and then you go straight into a test. Just the level of half falling asleep all the time is just crazy. But um, it was so rewarding and we all went for like beers on Sunday night. And it's like the friendships we've built, they're probably like lifelong friendships. So it's, yeah, really, really good. I'd highly recommend it. I should join the British Reserves. <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they would let me? I'm too old, probably. And I'm an American, so I want to touch base on that later on, on another show. On the, and then we'll kind of go over that in detail because I'm really interested how that went. But, uh, but all right, so Tom, we have a new guest. You want to do the introduction for our, our special guest? Yeah, so I can't remember the year. <laughs> I'm going uh, to throw out something like 2013, right? But this week's guest was hosting Tim Tackett, world-famous JKD guy, in Malmo in Sweden. So I flew over to Denmark, which is you could, kind of you drive over a bridge and then you get into Sweden from there. And we stayed in a Viking village, which was like <laughs> a super cool experience. That is cool. And everyone I met there was like, you know, typical viking warrior tough guys covered in tattoos Ah, they they, they were like ah, they were the real deal the real deal so uh this week's guest is like the leader of that group they cover styles amok is one of them and matt combatives is is like the main name of his group but there's a lot of uh, salat malaysian salat in there and we'll elaborate on all of that so welcome to the show matt person thank you thank you very much am i saying that right Yes, you are. Excellent. Or Matthias, I suppose it is properly. Yes, yes. But everybody says Matt, so that's okay. Yeah, and your your group's actually known as Matt Combatives, right? But that's that's not yes. your name. It's that it's an acronym. No, 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 it's not. It's uh, for martial art tactical transition. It's, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah. That was funny because I was trying to figure that out. What what, what <laughs> else could that stand for? But I I didn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> How did the Tim Tackett thing come about? You're not a JKD group. Uh, from the beginning, I am, actually. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, okay. From you are. long back. No, but I, I met Tim, I think it was 2003, uh-huh. first time in Denmark. And then we just kept having uh, contact through all the years there. And then he contacted me and asked me if I wanted to have his, his last workshop in, in Europe. Oh, wow. It was real well attended. I mean, there was like, I, I came from England. It was about 15 guys from Belgium came over, including our yeah. friend Dieter and Hans. Yeah, it was an awesome trip. No, it was basically, he asked me, and of course I'm going to do it. So, I mean, sure. who wouldn't? Do you find the stuff that he, the material that he teaches ties in well with the kind of combative aspects of what you do? Yes. Yes. It, it blends very well because it's simple. It's direct. I mean, how right. couldn't it blend? So. So, so what's your history of martial arts? Did you start in regular traditional stuff, or is it uh, you started in some kind of combative group in a garage? Or? No, I st- from the beginning when I, I started out with uh, with normal wrestling and went over to judo, and then I did boxing for a couple of years, and I was introduced to a Wing Chun group 
around when I was 15. And then we started to attend a lot of the JKD workshops as well with ah, uh, Innocento and uh, Cass Magda and a couple of other, Rick Tutsi and, and uh, some other guys yeah. there. So, we, so we're starting to mix it up, so to say. Right, experimenting uh, with other things. Right. Yeah, and then when I started doing a lot of the Filipino stuff, I didn't find it efficient enough. So I was starting to look where I could find more simple stuff because I find it so too much, too complicated. Yeah. And that's when I, I found out, found Tom Sodis from their mark. So I went right. over and I met him in uh, UK first time. And after that, I just started to do all of that full time. Was it, easy, was it easy to find some of these other guys and systems out there? How did you discover these other guys? Were you actively looking? Yes. Uh, or did it just come in front of you? No, no, I, I had to actively look for them. Right. So it was, it was hard thing. to find. Yeah. yeah, and same thing with JKD from the beginning. Right. Because everybody was so secret. Ha, uh, right. And if you wasn't inside the group, it was very hard to get into the group there. Uh, very political. We, yeah, well, we all know about that. Yeah. <laughs> we all know about that. No, no, no doubt about it. So when you're looking through this stuff, because I'm sure you come upon a bunch of stuff that you thought was complete nonsense right so did yeah. you have like a attack it calls it you know a good bullshit meter you oh, know yeah. When, yeah, yeah it's going ding 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 yeah. you know and going oh boy this is John. so what happens when you meet a guy and you go god he's just missed the mark on that and then you have to bow out gracefully well, well i'm i'm quite polite there but i i ask a lot of <laughs> questions <laughs> and, and, you, and you find out quite fast if they don't know answers to the question it's always because or that's we always do it like that that well, is the worst fucking answer in the world We've oh my God. <laughs> I, yes. i've shut up the switch right then i was working with someone i won't mention who they were but i was working with someone i said but it was a joint locking thing i've been doing joint locks forever yeah. and i said well why do you do it this particular way? I, and I was questioning because maybe I missed something. I might not have known. And they said exactly that answer. Well, that's because so-and-so taught me this. And yeah. that's how we do it. And, and I was like, okay, when, when's lunch so I can get in my yeah. car and drive away? <laughs> I had enough of that nonsense. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> the same thing when, when you ask them. says, but how do you know your, your stuff is working? Well, if you do your techniques right, it's going to work. So every time you get punched in the face, you did it wrong. So then, <laughs> then it's your fault and not their fault. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, I've gotten punched in the face a lot, so I must do a lot of things wrong. <laughs> Me too. It's, like, it's like my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of always ask the question, you know, was it like a necessary element for you to fight? Was it tough where you grew up? I know you've, you've worked in like a juvenile corrections facility, right? You must see some action there. Yeah, but no, my... My youth was, was quite easy, but I, I enjoyed fighting. <laughs> <laughs> then it's an easy yeah. transition. <laughs> I wasn't a very good boy when I was young, I can say. But anyway, no, I just, I wasn't good at football. I wasn't good at any other sports. So the martial community was where I found my home. So. All right. Nice. You will find that a lot. I get guys come to the gym and didn't fit that mold. They didn't play football or basketball whatever they and and they find their home right in the martial arts or boxing or wrestling or whatever it might be because even yeah. though it's individualized it's still a bit of a, a community a team sport you know at yeah. some level that's how a lot of guys find their way there 
are you into like the sort of the lifestyle of it and the kind of philosophical side? I mean, you've been out to Malaysia. Yeah, I found out if you're only doing the combatives, you're getting too much like paranoid for threats everywhere. So I found out you have to balance it up. So that's why doing a lot of the traditional arts as well. Like I like the sea life, especially. Yeah? I enjoy it for preserving the old arts as well. Yeah. So the sea- Right. So you think, and I think I know where your answer is, but you can still be a combatives guy, Matt Combatives, real modern, efficient, right? And still honor and do a traditional martial arts simultaneously. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and you're able to segment that and keep that separate. Yes. Yes. Right. Because if we look at it, it's all body movement. Right. So, I mean, we all have two legs, two arms, a head, and a, and a body. So, I mean, right. what we all do, it's like, it's the same. We just do it a little bit differently or put the uh, more on the boxing part, more on the kicking or locking or whatever we like to do there. Whatever we like to do, right. right. And I found a lot of the, the concepts they're doing in Indonesia is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you find interesting particular about it? It's a little bit different. And, it, and they, what I learned from them, especially when it comes to, to locks and all of that, that the key doesn't have to be on the lock it can be somewhere else on the body yeah? so i can push another body parts to open the lock that he has in my headlock i can push his knee i can do other things that they are very very well doing especially in the west sumatra when it comes to the harimau stuff there so you're yeah. actively pursuing that and, and studying yes. that right now mm-hmm. yes yes how long you how long have you been doing that i think the last 10 years now. Holy shit, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. That's a long time. And you're, still, my, you're obviously still learning and progressing. Yes, yes. One of my teachers is from London there, Johnny Silmon. Yeah, how did you meet Johnny? How did that come about? Oh, <laughs> we're starting to talk on uh, on Facebook when I was I was looking at, because I wanted to have a teacher in Chimande uh, in Europe, so I don't have to go to Indonesia every time I want to learn. Yeah, it makes sense. And we're starting to talk about TV series called The Bridge. It was a Swedish TV series. And I told him, if you want to see The Bridge, I will bring you over it. So he goes, sure. So he comes over and we just got friends. So Nice. I haven't trained with Johnny yet. When I trained with you, you, you kind of highly recommended him. Yes. He, he likes Tottenham, who's my, the team that I don't like in football. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I could bring myself to, to do some training <laughs> with him. Cool. Just going back to like the kind of combatives and traditional martial arts you know sometimes those two things can be entirely separate and you you do get people say if they're like you know police obviously they they, they won't see the value of the traditional martial arts likewise yeah. you'll get the traditional martial arts who kind of frowns on the combatives element as being i guess a shortcut and not being as well-rounded or skillful as like a traditional martial art how do you kind of see those things playing out for you with your clientele well, I have people that come in for the silat part, but I have also the people that come for my combative things. And it's all about their needs, yeah? When it comes to combative, I look to their needs and go straight to, if, they, if they're going to have, like, if I have five hours to them, I'm not going to teach them how to do round kicks or whatever they it's like the flashy stuff. I see to what, what, they, what the needs are. Are they for self-defense? Are they going to be in a hostile environment? Do they need the defense against blade? Do they need how to use the blade or whatever they need before I start to teach them there? Do you find they know what they need? Or do you find maybe what they think they need isn't actually what they need, if you know what I mean? 
I would say that 80, 90% of them has done their research and know what they need when it comes. Really? Uh, yes. I would never guess that. My clientele is not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, they have no clue what they, they need to learn, oh. but that's amazing. If they've done their research. Yeah, we have them too. <laughs> <laughs> We get sometimes we'll have people come in and saying, right, I'll, I want to do martial arts to get fit. And I'm like, well, no, if you want to do, if you want to get fit, go and do a fitness class, right? Because that's more tailored towards <laughs> yeah. getting fit. If you want to yes. learn how to perform uh, a skillful martial art, then maybe go down the CLAT route. If you want to learn, you know, if you're short on time and you want to learn how to defend against blade, then, you know, one of your combatives courses would be the right fit. Yeah, it's all about the, the right context there. And that's what, what we have to enlighten people about, yeah. Right. But this happens every week. I'll, I do, you know, the, all the combatives and, and the JKD and MMA and stuff. So I get guys calling. This is every week. Um, I want to come in. I want to do MMA. All right. And I said, okay. So they come in and they go, when's the MMA class? I said, well, you know, you got to do some jujitsu. You got to do some wrestling. You got to do some boxing, kickboxing. No, no. I, I just want to do MMA. And then I go, Okay. Have you ever wrestled? No. Have you ever thrown a punch? No. Have you ever kicked? No. And I go, literally, I says, how the fuck are you going to be an MMA fighter, man? Yeah. It's never going to yeah. happen. They're totally delusional. Or that they want to do combatives, but they don't want to touch the knife. Yes. I don't even know how that's even possible. Oh. No. So I no, just... no, no, no. They think that you have the magic wand right. or whatever. That's right. That's... It's like I say, if you play with knife, you're going to get bitten. They're going to bite you. That's right. what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Right. So then, they, then they, then once once you you convince them or you you bring them in, then you kind of just have your own agenda, I guess, and kind of guide them to the path that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they probably won't know what the heck they need. But you expose people who just want to do combatives. Do you expose them to the sea lot? Like, hey. You should do the C lot class solely because I think you'd be good at that, or vice versa. Some, yes, I talk about it because a lot of what we do is a lot of uh, what you call the structure of the body, uh, and all right. of that is from the Chinese Kung Tao. Mm -hmm. And we have some uh, some exercises that makes you how to power generate. And everybody wants to learn, but they don't want to do the job because it's very boring exercise. And you have to do it for a long time to be good at it. Yeah. yeah. But if you can see past what you're going to get, I find it very, very, very giving them. But most of them don't want to do it the job. So That's for sure. They want all the glory, none of the work. Yes. <laughs> but sometimes you cannot shortcut it, can you? Probably not. <laughs> and it's also, I'm amazed of so many martial artists that never been punched in the face. Right. Yeah. It is quite shocking. And when you hit them, they get, get all like, oh, what are you doing? I hit you. Yeah, but we're not doing that. Well, we are. A lot of it. <laughs> right. Look, you have to be okay with getting hit and, and be yeah. able to be, stay focused and thrive in that chaos because it probably will happen. And if you've yeah. never been popped in the head uh, or kicked, how are you going to handle it? You probably won't handle it very well. Oh, no. Not, not all. Right. Because I've had guys just boxing Right, and they get popped, and they all of a sudden it's an MMA fight. They're tackling the guy. Yeah. It becomes real, or in the combatives. Oh, you hit me! Well, yeah. What approaches do you advocate, Matt, for the kind of sparring and pressure testing your system? We always start with sparring. 
You start uh, with sparring. Yeah, we start in uh, in oppositional workouts, like we call. We starting to spar, and I use guided discovery to to guide them into what I want to them to discover by themselves. And when we're discovering a problem, we isolate it and uh, and see how we can fix it, and then we go back to sparring again. So we do a lot of fighting from the beginning there. So so, so if I was to come into a class. You would put me what, and I'm working out with Tom. How would how would that go? Because I I'm trying to. We'll start from the, from the beginning. We were right. with four different reaches with the blade. If we're doing blade, blade huh. against blade, and then we're doing up and downs. We're going one is sitting on one knee, do two knees on their ass, where the other one is standing up. So they see that even if you sit down, you're not out. You're not dead. You need to fight all the way. You cannot just give up. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have different topics. If we want to, most of the time we're starting in accessing what we call. Because if you cannot access your blade or deal with his attack from the beginning, why are you carrying a blade? If you cannot get it out of the pocket, because most people is never training how to access the blade or access the gun or whatever they do. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense because you're not walking around the street with your blade in your hand because then you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, it's gotten me in trouble a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Don't you find that shocking that people who have done weapons or whatever it is, whether it be a gun or a knife, or, or have never explored getting it out of their pocket and then under pressure? Yeah. I did a test just uh, like six months ago. I told a couple of my students, it's now you're going, to, you're going to access your blade and I'm going to hit you in your face at the same time. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of them is say, oh, you know, we have the waves on the blades and we all, all of this. It's just opening when you pull it from your pocket. That's bullshit. Because <laughs> when somebody's hitting you in the face, that's a game changer, right? Totally. And totally. you need to cover yourself and try to get your blade up. Right. Yeah. So generally, do they sort of so- problem solve that after a while, I imagine? Yes. You learn, a, for lack of a better word, a few tricks to handle that. All right. I do like it where you can get like a training blade that matches your um, live blade, which often isn't the case. Yeah, when we're starting to use those blades, the knock trainers, everybody back in the days was laughing at us, yeah, because they were using alumina trainers there, but we do the hard sparring from the first minute, yeah. So we needed to have something that looked like a blade, and from the beginning, we only have like round black ones and look like dildos. <laughs> yeah, I learned about those from Bjorn, who we had on about a month ago. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he got that from you or, or, or vice versa, but um, they're pretty cool, those. I bought a bunch of them for my own training. The Nark trainers, yeah. Yeah. That's one of their marks that invented them back in 2003 or 2004 there. From the beginning, it was only us that were using them. But now everybody's using them because it's a great tool. Yeah. Tell me about a mock and uh, is it Hamer, uh, H-A-M-R, like that, two, two of the systems that you teach? I teach the Amok, that's from Tom Sodis, and then I teach my own mix from the Matt Combatives. That's mostly empty hand transition from the blade. And also the pre-fight game, how to talk, what to think about, because people's missing the pre-fight most of the times. They only do the fight. And what I see when it comes to combatives, if you have to fight somebody, you're already lost because you lost. You missed so many clues wow. in the environment that, to quote 
another English friend of mine, Lee Morrison. Yeah. Like he always says, no fucking Star Trek, is it? Yeah. People does, <laughs> don't aim in front of you. Yeah. Because you missed all the clues. And that's what we try to, to teach them. Agreed. Most seminars that I've been to or most times I've been taught, there is zero emphasis put on avoiding fighting. And as you say, yes. all of those triggers. And some guys, some guys that we know do that well, Nick Hughes would be a yeah. big proponent well, of does. it. There, well, there's a video that Tim right. Tackett presented about avoiding a fight that he did at Eric Paulson's yes. gym. And it's got about 20 million views on YouTube the verbal jiu-jitsu yeah exactly and it's the kind of thing right. all martial artists regardless of what style you're training can relate to yeah. whereas most yes. of us sit in our little box but we can all say this is how we can try and avoid a fight yeah yeah because that's what you want to do right i mean there is <laughs> there is verbal escalation too tom yes <laughs> where i go no 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 fuck you <laughs> that's when you start to fight that's when the dance starts but I get, there are legal issues. <laughs> yeah, We're that's the big thing now, the legal the issues. Legal issues, right. So when you're doing a preemptive thing, just, I don't know how it works over in Sweden. Fighting's fighting, Jim. It's similar all over the world. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about legal issues. Like what's a, pre so taking a preemptive strike, if a guy's in my face and I see, oh shit, I mean, I've tried everything that I could possibly think. And this guy is intent. And I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have this interview and this conversation going on. I'm like, okay, well, should I wait for him to take the first shot? No, I got to take the first shot. But it depends on who they might see this big guy punch that guy yeah. first and they miss everything else. Yeah, so, and then you're in trouble over here. Right. It, 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 well, it depends on what state you are in the, in the, the U.S. Certain states yeah. you have to stand your ground. So I could just punch Tom for being Tom, <laughs> or other ones I have to I have to pussy out and walk back. <laughs> so, so Tom, if I fight you in Pennsylvania, I'm gonna kick your ass. If it's in Jersey, I have to run away. So you know, uh, well, it's all about if there are more than one on you, you can right. do a lot more. But oh. it, to preempt on them would get you in in big trouble here. But I imagine going to like a Swedish prison to be like really nice, like <laughs> give you like amazing food and it's like really big. Yeah, but they're, they're over full now. So you have to you have to have a, a friend inside us. Yeah, now. well, I know you, you've worked so in corrections, so you, you can bring me uh, contraband. You <laughs> <laughs> can sneak in. So are you are you still working in in the prisons? No, 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 no. I'm uh, I'm working part time as a chef. Oh, wow. No kidding. And then uh, I teach rest of the time. So did, I thought Tom said earlier, you worked with the youth when you were in, in the... Yeah, before. Because yeah. that, now, for example, I got guys who I trained who were in corrections here. And they said the youth are far more dangerous and aggressive here. Far yeah. more dangerous because they just don't give a fuck. Yeah. And they don't know any better. The older timers kind of got an idea of what to do, what not to do. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. It have been worse now because over here it's getting over the edge now with all the violence, and most of them is under eighteen or nineteen year old that wow. is going out shooting each other and stuff now. Wow, it's, it's crazy now. Yesterday, I think it was there was an I think they, they think there was a nineteen year old guy went over and shot a mom in her head that carrying oh. a four month old baby. Wow. So now, now they say that 
They don't know if all the rules is gone because nobody was doing that before, like shooting women and children. Yeah. Sure. Uh, what, what, what do you suppose that's? To, I mean, we're not in a political thing. What do you suppose that's? Uh, that rise in that violence with the youth. I don't know what, what what's causing it because right. I mean it's it's like the youth is not give a shit anymore. That's probably true. Right. Because when I grow up, it was all about if you owe somebody money or you, you know, but how do you de defend against respect? He doesn't want anything but kill you. We talked Crazy. with Bjorn about the grenade attacks and some of the issues around immigration. Yeah. Bjorn's quite left-wing, I think, in his political views. Yeah. What's your outtake on some of the problems Sweden takes, albeit that, you know, Sweden's still one of the safest countries, I think, around? Yeah, it so far, it's it's only about the criminals is killing criminals, except for the, the yeah, like the blowing up stuff. But that's not so many times they've been doing that. It's a couple of times only, though. The problem, I wouldn't say it's an immigration problem. I would say it's a community problem. They, they put too many, what do you say, in the same spot that wants to be the big chief there. Right. And the thing that I think that, that touch immigration is that the, the new immigration we're getting now from like Afghanistan and, and all of that, it brings other types of problems. One of the war I know going on in, in Malmo is about the heroin market. Because a lot of the people that come now from Afghanistan have addiction to, to opium or... Opiates, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's only a thought. But I don't know how it's... Oh, we're jumping all around all over the place, Dave. Not, not as well structured as our typical shows. <laughs> no, it's a, Tom, it's, it's a conversation and it goes in a lot of different directions. Tell me about some... So, so you've got various like, sort of prescribed courses that you deliver. So I've got, got them written down here. Preventing Criminal Contact, um, the Hamer Self-Defense yes. course... The hammer, yes. <laughs> yeah. The hammer. stick, managing knife attacks, yeah. sparks and pre-threat yes. recognitions, flexible weapons. Yeah. Could you like tell us what some of those courses involve and how people could like sort of get in touch if they wanted to join you on one of them or host you? Yeah, the first one is like we say the, the pre-fight course, with how to, to talk, how to position, what to say, where not to go, where not to do. Don't put your earplugs in your ear when you're walking alone, looking at your phone, because then people coming from nowhere. Yeah. The second one is the hammer. It builds basically on the hammer strikes. So it's a forehand, backhand, and in the middle. And I do them in uh, with one hand, two hands, and then with different combinations. So learning how to use them in an efficient way. Because what I've found out is that the hammer punch is the one that's safest for most people that has never been hitting something before. Because with the normal strikes, it's a lot of things that can break in our hands, like we yeah, all know. Yeah, broken three yeah. knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did something stupid also <laughs> just a year ago. So. <laughs> and then defense stick is when I'm using like a small palm stick that's not sharpened. So you cannot like penetrate the body just to give pain. Like Cooper Tan. Uh, yes. And that builds on the hammer. So it's the same motions, but you're using something in your hand just to reinforce the power there. Knife attacks is how to get away and take care of some knife attacks. 
like it says, preempty and pre sparks and pre-recognition is when we need to hit first, when we don't have any choice anymore, when we hit, need to hit him, when we see all the clues. Nice. That's pretty comprehensive. I like it. And what's the kind of typical student that's drawn to your school to do these courses? Oh, it's the black sheep from the martial art, no. <laughs> <laughs> the typical one, I don't know, like Jimmy. You met Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy's a, a great guy, <laughs> proper Viking warrior. <laughs> I would say that the, the guys that have been doing some martial arts before, but they don't want to do all the traditional things and they don't want to wear a uniform anymore, and they want to learn how to protect themselves or the family or they're starting to work as security guards or whatever they are. So we get a lot of people working as like doormans and securities and also a lot of bodyguards now at the moment. You must find that good validation for your system because you've got people who are like basically yeah. they're professionals and they're coming to you to get yes. to get the good stuff, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's all kinds of people, I say. I have not so many girls at the moment, but I, they're coming too. Do you find it can be like a little bit off-putting to say if you've got like the old soccer mum, they're not necessarily going to want to train with you because they're all like big Viking skinheads covered in tattoos. That's why we do the, the only women courses too, That, but I'm very against that because lady fights ladies. It's like it's not when what they're going to use in the streets, is it? True. Is your wife into martial arts? Because she, she's your wife's Thai, right? Yes. No, she's only kicking me anyway. So. <laughs> No, she's not into anything now. How did you guys meet? Was that through martial arts or just through a love of Thailand? Or Well, we meet online and of my love of Thailand, yeah. I've been there so many times there. And then, then I went down to meet her and then she moved over here and we get kids. So <laughs> we You go yeah. there all the time. Like yeah. You actually teach martial arts in Thailand. Yes. I go there five, six times a year now. I have my, my biggest groups. Is actually in Thailand now. Really? Most of the combatives groups in Thailand is involved with me now. Wow. How receptive are they to combatives versus Muay Thai? I mean, I, I went over there last year to train Muay Thai. I love that country. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful place. I think that most of the guys I have has been doing Muay Thai from before, but then went into other directions. Like a lot of them is from the shooting community, ex-militaries. I have people working at the airport with security over there and also a lot of the bodyguards down there as well. So they have their own like self-defense schools, most of them now. But they still is very, very loving about the arts with the Muay Thai and the Muya Shaya, Muya Burat and the Krabi Krabong. I don't even know half of those. Uh, <laughs> enlighten me as to what some of those are. Obviously, we all are familiar with traditional Muay Thai. Muay Thai is the old way of doing uh, Muay Thai, so to say, uh, when you didn't have rules. Nice. Uh, and dough gloves, everything like that. And uh, Krabi Krabong is the, the sword style. Right. Mm. Okay. I've seen some of it. I haven't trained too much yet yeah. in, the, in the Krabi Krabong, but I love it there. And it's like Innocente was saying too, if you want to do double swords, the ties are the one to go to. Really? Yeah, it's very cool. It's very, very fluid. When you're training all this, because there's so much on your plate, and I like, how do you decide what's a priority for you in a day when you do your own training? 
with fitness and what marsh art do you do a little bit of hybrid of everything do you have a schedule you just kind of go to the gym or to the to the dojo and make shit up on the spot <laughs> so most of my stuff is for my own courses that i right. uh, have to keep myself on the top of all my like i do a lot of my training on my bob with my with the hammer strikes and all of that right. and then i try to to see what I can come up with that I need, if I find out a better way so I can evolve it and uh, improve wow. it. So at the moment now I'm doing a, a flashlight course that I built on the hammer, but also with the, how to use the flashlight in, in, uh, in a good way, because you can always carry a flashlight. Yeah. Right. And it's a good weapon. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, uh, because so you're not carrying a blade over here. That's why I'm thinking of, yeah, why, why not doing it with a flashlight? So I, sure. I brought all the guys down a month ago, and we flashed the shit out of each other. And <laughs> <laughs> found out that it's, it's very, very effective when you get like hit with 1,500 lumen in your eyes. You don't see shit. Right, no doubt about it. But I do a lot of that training, and also with my blades, and then um, my sealat. I do my juros, my sitting, like my katas. Right. Uh, so I don't, it's my solo training. It's for, for my own soul. So it's, right. I love to do all of that. So it's very meditative, right? It's very soothing. Yes, it is. Right. I, I do the same thing. Um, uh, nothing, just shit I make up. But I find that when I do that, it helps me. The fluidity, the transition of the motion, the mechanics of it. I, I really enjoy doing it, you know. Yeah, me too. That's basically how I do my, it's from day to day, but I, I keep to my own path, so I don't do too much. Is there other stuff that interests you out there that you see other guys doing? Or you, you, let's say you go on YouTube <laughs> and, yeah. you're go, and you'll see, I'll, I'll, like we all do, right? You go on YouTube and you'll see stuff, a lot of stuff you can fast forward through. Do you ever go, hey, you know, that's kind of interesting, that thought or what they're doing, then kind of bring it back to your gym and play with it? Yes. And also bring bring people over. That's why I found uh, Lee Morrison from Urban Combatives. Yeah. A lot of his stuff, his mindset and all of the way he's doing the pre-empty was wow. very, very interesting. So I brought him over, I think it was four times now. Wow. Because we were teaching together in Bangkok two years ago almost now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so I research and I see what I can get. Also, his pad work was very, very good for the, the combative pad work he is doing. Yeah, I've seen it. I haven't trained with him directly. I've trained with some guys who, I guess, are under him, similar, yeah. for lack of a better word, meaning they're, I guess they're certified under him or something like that. But it's pretty neat. He's got some good stuff out there. Yeah. Without a doubt. Tom, have you trained with him? I haven't, actually, but obviously I'm, I'm familiar with him. I mean, he's probably like one of top three sort of big names in combatives in the UK. He's very recognizable, isn't he? Just in the way he looks with the muscles and the tattoos and all that. <laughs> so I see a pattern again, yeah, with all my guys and all the tattoos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's I wanted to ask you, Matt, might seem like a weird question, but how much does the sort of like Viking mentality play a role in kind of your life and the, the rest of the Swedish guys? I don't really know. I think that... Like to say that the Swedes have very, very long fuse before they're getting pissed off. But when you're getting pissed off, you're getting it really, really pissed off there. So I don't know about other people. I mean, I worked as a Viking for three years before. 
you know, at the, at the Viking village there. I was a professional Viking for three years. Yeah, that's interesting because there was like, I've seen people, like, I've seen Jimmy go and sort of stay there. Yes. Is yes. that like a job role? I mean, effectively, he'd be, he'd be like living for a couple of months as a Viking in, yeah. in a traditional setting. Yeah, they're calling the the Viking reservoir. Yeah, for that's like for the Indians, but for the Vikings here, yeah. it's a lot of people going up there and spending their vacations there all summer and just being Vikings all days. It's it's their way of living, so to say. I'm not so. My was more work related. I work come in the morning and go in the evening. Yeah. Gotcha. It was a real cool place to be for the seven hour attack. Like you were literally looking out over the sea and you know, the traditional huts and we were in this incredible wood building for yeah. the actual seminar. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Uh, hopefully I can join you for another one, one of these days. Yeah, you have to come over again, yeah. So, are uh, you still training now with Tim or he's all, all retired now? He's retired. He's still doing a little bit, I think. If you go to his house on a Wednesday night, you get to train. Jeremy Lynch is teaching the classes but he'll always pop out and kind of check in on everyone. He's just released a new book, so... Essential G can do. Yes, we're going to get him on the show once I've had a chance to read that book, so we can answer some some questions. I got the book a couple of weeks ago. I actually spoke to Tackett on the phone a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't spoken to him in a while, just bullshitted with him. It was good to hear him. He was always like a huge influence in my life, and that uh, was always yeah. kind and generous with his knowledge, and... Uh, a fun guy. I have some great memories, and yeah. uh, hopefully we have him for much longer. But, uh, but one of the things I got off of today's show is, God damn it, is I love the idea of dildo combatives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to start my own group, you know. I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to sell it to the ladies. <laughs> the same thing when you, if you want to have the, the same reaction from a live blade, you just right. have to take dog shit on a stick. <laughs> that's great right Who's... wants to get hit yeah <laughs> right that's a kill shot <laughs> hey matt thank you so much buddy for uh thank you know you. taking thank time you and coming really enjoyable and hopefully one day i'll get to to train with you when i'm in europe and uh if you're ever in the u.s please give me absolutely a absolutely so tom is there anything you need to wrap up with buddy well, for our Swedish listeners, please keep listening. You know, we're going to keep trying to get guests from your neck of the woods on the show. Sweden is way up the food chain on the listeners. Yeah. They are way up there. We have a big fan base in Sweden. I think we have like three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we do We do get so, quite a lot of listeners from Scandinavia, yeah. so massively appreciate that. And I think that's reflective Absolutely. of all of you guys have I, excellent I, English and kind of love the martial arts. So, you know, keep listening, keep sharing it. I could give you in, in contact with some of the Thai guys down there so you can get even broader listener there. There you Just, go massive followers down in thailand some of them there that'd be awesome yeah we just want to keep awesome. growing and make it as kind of global as we can yeah nice. taking over the world primal radio this time yeah. <laughs> matt thank you buddy i appreciate thank it man. be thank good you. peace out okay bye You 
have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.